Do you feel safe in Edmonton? Do you feel like safety has decreased? There's actually a conference that's ongoing for the next couple of days here in our city called the Safety of Our Cities Conference. And being discussed is just that, the real issue of safety here in our community and what can be done about it. So let's get some perspective from someone who attended the conference yesterday and today and has some real experience dealing with safety issues in our community. He formerly spent time with the gangs unit and homicide team with the EPS and he's the Associate Chair of Justice Studies at Norquest College. Dan Jones. Dan, thanks so much for making the time. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's just start with kind of clarifying exactly what this conference is all about. Who's speaking at it? What's the what's the uh, the point of it? It's really a conference to bring. I think it's the whole point of it is to bring people together to talk about doing things differently. So. What are some of the key issues then when it comes to safety in our city that we need to be handling differently? Well, one of the things we're talking about is uh, specifically is, you know, the some of the drug issues that we have kind of an, we have an epidemic, unfortunately, of, of um, drug poisonings. And we have uh, individuals that are, um, you know, unhoused. So we talked about that kind of, we talked about that disorder piece. Um, also then looking at, there was some conversation about guns and gangs um, and how do we address those things in a much more kind of wholesome, wholesome way that we actually reduce levels of violence, not just put them on pause um, by just uh, trying to arrest our way out of the situation. So let's talk a little bit more specifically about some of those big issues. Gun violence is, is a big one. Why is gun violence so prevalent? lately in our community what and are we safe to assume that there has been an, a real increase yeah you know that's one of those things there has been over the past year uh, an increase for sure and I think what you see is these things have kind of a cyclical nature uh, and you go back to there was some serious gun violence in 2005 2006 within our city uh, and then kind of things tapered off and then spiked up and then tapered off and then spiked up again uh, and it's about addressing that in a in a wholesome way that you're that you're making sure that it's just not put on pause while people are incarcerated so the issue of safety is one that we've talked about a lot on this show uh, people suggesting that they don't feel safe in certain parts of Edmonton let's talk about that increase um, uh, when it comes to safety in our communities is this something Dan that we can attribute directly to COVID is this something else what is the unique situation in the way that it's presenting itself now I think there are so many factors that impact this, and if you really look at it, the social determinants of health and the social determinants of crime are almost identical. So things like poverty, employment, um, houselessness, um, uh, opportunity, when a lot of these things aren't there, uh, treatment for um, you know post-traumatic stress or other mental health issues that's not available oftentimes result in the, the floodgates opening and us seeing these things and there's so many factors you can't pin it down to one thing that's why it's not there's no easy answer to it it's a multifaceted issue that is societal it is um, financial it is all of those things and it's about finding ways to intersect in the community with community members uh, and make sure people feel healthy and work on that community safety and well-being. So, Dan, you've been at the Safety of Our Cities conference uh, yesterday and today. What are some of the takeaways? What were some of the strategies that you thought were interesting that were being discussed? Uh, Chief Danny Garcia from um, uh, Dallas was talking about really kind of focusing on evidence-based practices and how do we 
make sure we can measure the success. And that was that's one of the biggest things that I think that the people that talk about at this conference is ensuring that we're measuring what we're measuring and why we're measuring things and measuring the proper things. Historically, police have measured outputs, not outcomes. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I took away from this conference is the desire to start to find a way to measure police success and how do we measure prevention properly and how do we measure these things so that we can actually show that what we're doing works and then or what we're doing isn't working and then we can reassess and then pivot. So I'll clarify that a little bit then for someone who's not a member of EPS outputs versus outcomes what does that mean can you define that? Yeah like an output would be how many tickets were written. Okay. An outcome is did we reduce the fatalities on the road? Got it. An output is how many drugs how much drugs we seized an output Sorry, output is how many drugs do we seize? And outcome is, have we seen a reduction in the deaths of people from drug poisoning? Mm. What about what about resources that are available? How does council's new budget plan and increase of funding for the police help some of these strategies and help some of this, this what sounds like a really big job moving forward? It, the, the, the one unfortunate thing about that is that helps two years from now because you, the bodies don't, they, you don't grow police officers on trees. So the funding is great, um, but in order to get re- human resources, you need to hire them, you need to recruit them, you need to hire them, you need to train them. And you're talking to two years down the road. Right now, the police are dealing with the acute, and that's the necessity of, of what's happening in our city. Uh, and the police are looking at different opportunities and different ways to address this, maybe expanding relationships with community partners uh, to and have them focus on outcomes rather than outputs as well, because we know that a lot of our grant funding is really output focused. And it's like, oh, how many people do we talk to? How many of this do we do? We need to change the way we, we measure in the justice space. You know, based on your experience with the EPS, spending time with gangs unit and the homicide team, how much hope do you have moving forward? Because some of the things that you mentioned that are really contributing to a decrease in safety are things that we can't, we certainly can't change overnight. And I think are, are really big lifts for the EPS, things like inflation, rising cost of living, rising criminal activity. I mean, people really feeling and becoming desperate. How, how much optimism do you have? You know, if, if the implementation of the evidence-based practice is to occur, I have a lot of optimism. And that was one of the things that they, one of the panels that the Deputy Chief Devin LaForce spoke about was he talked about and was on a panel with several police officers from American police agencies that really focus on not just homicides, but they focus on any shooting as a homicide. So if they, they, call, they call it uh, basically like an injury, a skin-piercing incident is what they call it. With, but there's a skin-piercing incident with a firearm. They say you need to treat that like a homicide and investigate it to that same link. Now, that's a resource-heavy thing, but Deputy Chief LaForce was talking about that as something that the Evans and Police Service may do, and I think if they start doing those things, you're going to see reductions, and, and focused deterrence is an is a, is a evidence-based practice that is kind of what they're talking about, and ensuring that we, we address those things early on, not wait till the person kills somebody to do that really heavy major case management investigation. Dan, last question from me is, you know, based on something that we hear, we've heard a lot, and that's this catch and release phenomenon. Someone on the text line saying, well, bail is too easy. Prosecutors are too swamped. Can you speak to that and the change that we maybe need to see in that area? Yeah, and I, I think, unfortunately, people get bail and and reoffending conflated, where you're like, well, they had a bad criminal record, but they weren't on bail, or they were on bail and something bad happened, then we have to look at it. So bail, fixing bail or bail reform isn't the panacea that people think it is, number one. Number two, bail um, 
uh, the provincial government is, has focused, uh, putting a focused team towards bail uh, in, the, in the Crown Prosecutor's Office. And I think that's a really good idea because then you focus on remanding the people that need to be remanded and maybe not remanding some people that don't need to be remanded. What I mean is the average day in the remand center is one to 14 days. So if I'm really, you know, bad on Saturday, how come I can be released the following, you know, Thursday? Mm. And we need to really focus on who you're remanding because there's also research that shows if you remand your low-risk people with your high-risk people, everyone comes out um, high-risk. I've often used the analogy, it's like putting your red towels in with your white towels in a washing machine and they all come out tainted. And I think we have to be very, very uh, intentional on who we're trying to keep in and very intentional on let's not lock people up that we're not scared of but we're mad at, as the chief has said in the past. You know, it, it seems to me that you're you're coming to this conversation with, you know, some real, some inside perspective that maybe we, we take for granted as people that aren't involved <laughs> as law enforcement. Uh, it's a really it's a really difficult job what are some other common misunderstandings that you think when it comes to people maybe trying to rectify or fix what maybe seems like a simple issue and really and isn't well i think one of the, one of the common mis- misconceptions is that unhoused people are dangerous because the vast majority of unhoused people are not dangerous the vast majority of unhoused people are not going to hurt you um, and i think we have this unfortunate there's a fear around it and yes the disorder is troubling and yes has there been an increase in violence for sure but we also know that we can oftentimes um, fo- focus that to a certain number of people, and they call it, in research, they call it the power few um, from Larry Sherman's research. And the power few is the power few people that are creating the most harm in your community. Focus on those folks. And I think using some of those evidence-based practices that have been discussed at the conference and other places, I think will actually have an uh, impact on safety in our city. We just have to make sure that we don't, you know, overfear uh, our, our people about unhoused folks, that we don't conflate bail and um, people with criminal records getting out of jail. I remember recently we had three, um, it was noted that there was three sex offenders coming out of prison and people were asking me, well, is this the bail problem? I'm like, no, they have served their time there. It's called warrant expiry. You can't pe- keep people in prison indefinitely. 97% of people get out of prison. We might want to start focusing, and this was talked about in this conference as well, we might want to start focusing some of our intention on the reintegration of people coming out of jail, ensuring that, and I've seen this happen, I've seen Correctional Services of Canada release people to, uh, to a shelter on parole. Hmm. That's not a, that is not a, um, a successful idea. And I've seen the same thing where people leave remand center and they get dropped off on the corner out front of old police headquarters at 9 o'clock at night, and they're like, here's your stuff back, and there's no positive reintegration. I think we need, and that was talked about at the conference, uh, and the best part about conferences like this aren't just the sessions, they're the conversations that you have in the hallways between sessions, and we've had some very, very good conversations around these topics. Dan, thank you so much for making the time to explain it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.